Well, better late than never. It is the return of the Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso, Clay Ferrero, after a uh, summer hiatus where we got to spend some time with the kids and, you know, and, and run around and keep working, but having fun as much as we could. It's now time to get serious again, Clay, because football season is upon us. Dolphins just had their first preseason game. How was, a, how was your sabbatical from the pod? It was nice, but I missed you. I know. I, I missed it, too, because we don't see each other at work except on Sundays usually. And then we, you know, we text all day, but it's nice to finally put onto a, into a microphone and a speaker what we always text about, which is now football. Yeah, and even, it, well, and even on Sundays, it's, it's tough because, you know, we're, we're you know, all the protocols in place and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good point. We're not even in the same set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll, stay, we'll stay away from talking about that for, for a while. I think, every, I think everybody hears enough about that. So let, let's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, so let's this, get on this to is the about, look, football, as crazy as the last year and a half has been, and, you know, last year when we taped these pods, not only were we in protocol, but, you know, there weren't fans in the stands. There, there wasn't, we weren't at camp. All of a sudden now things have changed. I mean, there's, yep. you, know, you saw stadiums full in Chicago, the officers preseason game. So all that stuff, it is nice to move forward in a sense, despite things still happening. So let's move forward with the Dolphins. I am one, and I know you are similar to me, not one to make a lot of the preseason, but I did feel, and maybe it's just me missing things so much, I did feel like we learned a lot on Saturday from the Dolphins. And obviously the place everyone wants to start is the quarterback in Tua Baloa. And look, up until the interception, and I know, I know that that's, you know, that's the, you can't just fly over. It was a bad pass. But up until the interception, this was as confident as, as far as efficient accuracy, decision-making that we have seen Tua in his young career. We saw it in spurts last year, but just what, you know, seven completions in a row, the grasp of the offense, the knowledge of where to go, he seemed to be really comfortable. Well, let's talk about that first before we get to the interception and the bad decision. Well, I, I think that's that was the most important thing. I think that's what everybody wanted to see going into that first preseason game, and we saw it. It was are the things that we've seen in training camp, which were Tua looking more comfortable, looking like he was in command of the offense, more confident. I, I just like it was his team and his offense, whereas last year it felt like he was kind of renting space from Ryan Fitzpatrick and Chan Gailey's offense. Like, this is his offense, and he looked like he was the man in charge, and I think that's that's what you want to see. And the other thing, Will, that I thought was really important was physically he looks stronger. He looks more comfortable. He's never going to have the Justin Herbert arm. So, you know, if you're if you're trying to compare him to Justin Herbert or, or, or yeah, Patrick Mahomes not... or, or even a Jameis Winston, like guys who just have the – the howitzer, the cannon, I, you're never going to see it. But I love that you saw him fitting balls into tight windows. I like that you saw that uh, the ball had zip on it. So the two things I wanted to see, was he confident? Was he control the offense? The answer was yes. And physically, does he look stronger? Is that hip healthier? Does he look better? And the answer to that was yes, yeah, too. He did. You also look thicker. And we noticed that in camp, his frame, his shoulders seem broader, his, his legs, his torso. And I know people joke in the offseason, all oh, the videos of Tua working out and fit Tua and swole Tua and all this stuff. I mean, I, it's, it's funny. I get it. But 
you can tell a difference. And people sometimes ask me like, oh, what does it matter if a QB is big and strong and thick and muscular? Well, it doesn't always matter, but certainly in your release and your step and push off and avoiding pressure, strength is important. And getting the ball downfield and getting the ball in the tight spaces, his ability to move and throw with strength and accuracy to step into throws, to avoid pressure, those are things that it, that is part of strength training. And it's not always, hey, I'm going to look like a bodybuilder. But I think you could tell in his hips, in his movement, in his fluidness, that there is a certain level of athlete that has come out in Tua that maybe we didn't see last year. And a lot of it had to do with the fact, as you mentioned, a lot of his strength last year was, hey, I've got to get the muscles around the hips strong again. I've got to get stronger in that area. Wasn't necessarily other things, which now I think this offseason he's been able to do. I thought his drive into throws. I thought, you know, the one thing that we've seen in this weekend, right, from young quarterbacks, and let's start with the rookies that played, you know, Wilson and Lance and these guys, and even Justin Fields, is the window that you have and when you have to make that decision in that window is as tiny as possible. And Tua learned it firsthand from the games last year. And so let's go to the interception. What did we see? We saw a little bit of that rookie style still that he admitted after the game. Hey, in the NFL, you can't throw over the, the middle late. You have these windows open and you got to make that decision and make the throw. He had a receiver open in the end zone initially or toward the end zone. He waited that frame, that extra second, went back to it through the interception of the double coverage. But he recognized that. And I think that's the difference in Tua that he learns from it, where the rookies now are, are really getting that sense now for the first time. Tua dealt with that last year. I think the mistake you saw him make is acceptable because he recognizes, hey, man, I look good throwing into these tight spaces and quick decisions. But I also learned, like last year, when you don't make that quick decision in the NFL, they will make you pay. Well, and I got to give credit to John Kinjemi who broke this down and, and, and he pointed it out before I had even seen it. But it looked like Tua's head was turned and he was looking at Jalen Waddell, who he thought had one-on-one -on -one coverage on the side. And then it was like he kind of saw out of the corner of his eye that Shaheen was wide open. Mm -hmm. I mean, wide, wide yes. open. And had he been looking at Shaheen from the jump, then that's a touchdown. But you have to, to your point, you have to recognize that, that when you've already missed your window to get that throw in there. And, and so either you, you, uh, you push the ball out a little further to Waddle and put it yeah. to where he can get it and nobody else or nobody else can, or you eat it or you throw it yes. away. And, Which and he said he, was, that, he shouldn't have thrown it. He said afterwards, right. they said, what would you have done differently? And he said, now nah, throw it. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and excuse an interception that was a that, that was a bad that was a bad decision, and it was a it was well, it bad all you, around. It absolutely cost you a game. Yes. And yet, and yet, I mean, I think this is Captain Obvious speaking here, but you'd rather have that happen in the preseason than than during the regular season. And and once again, I like the fact that that overall he was willing to be aggressive. And and here's the other thing we haven't even talked about yet, Will. Mm -hmm. No, Will Fuller. No Devontae Parker. You're out there and you're playing with – and look, I, I think Matt Collins may well contribute to this team, but you're not going to have him as, as your leading receiver. No. Uh, you know, so I, I think the fact that he was able to, 
he was willing to be aggressive with players that likely aren't going to be your first and second options for the most part outside of Gasicki. I, I felt like that was really important, especially in a preseason game, and it can only yeah. lead to better things once you, you get the, the top-tier wideouts on this roster yeah. out there on the field. And you said it. Look, and I think that's what we have to turn our attention to next is he was playing without his main weapons. And, you know, Jalen Waddle's going to be phenomenal, I think. I mean, the little bit we saw, he didn't catch a pass, but that punt return in space, you saw his wiggle ability and his speed and his stop-and-go ability. I mean, that's going to be frightening if you can find a way to get him in space in the passing game or in reverses or whatever it may be, bubble screens, you name it, just get him in space, and this kid is going to make plays. But he didn't have Devontae Parker, as you said. Uh, he didn't have his new weapons in Will Fuller. He didn't have Albert Wilson, who's looked good in camp, and, and it's essentially a new weapon because he wasn't with Tua last year and opting out of the season. So when you see him with those guys, you're going to feel even more comfortable because those guys on their own can hopefully create you know, and make plays for Tua, not vice versa. We saw a lot of tight window throws on Saturday from Tua, and that's great, but you don't want to live like that in the NFL. You don't want to live right. with every pass. You know, the, the Gasicki play, the 50-yard play, was the one place where he had a little distance. But other than that, most of the passes were tight window, really nice ball placement and location by Tua, but that's not the way to go, obviously, over the course of an entire season in every game. Now, let's turn it over to the other weapons, you know, and, and you, you figure that Gasicki is going to be a target. You figure that Waddle's going to be a target. But to get to those guys, you need the offensive line to protect. You need the offensive line to block for the running game. And you need those running backs to make plays. I think the one part that we're not exaggerating or I think overanalyzing is the offensive line questions. I thought as a whole, the offensive line was just okay, right? But I thought the problem was part of the part where it wasn't okay was in the in the run game, you know, which obviously opened up holes and, and, and in short yardage situations. But also Austin Jackson didn't look good. And where Tua, you know, you talk about Tua and a young player learning from your rookie year, you would hope that Austin Jackson could do the same. And this isn't to say he can't. Obviously, it's one preseason game. But what you would have liked to have seen a little more comfort from him there and you didn't, there are questions that are along the line on who plays and where. There are still, Clay, I think you agree with me, a lot of things that worry me about this offensive line with two preseason games left and the regular season right around the corner. Yes, and, and you know, you can look at this two ways. And uh, the, the first one is, is kind of where I'm leaning right now, and that's that the Bears are a really, really good defensive front. And I'm going to wait, and I'm going to see what happens against Atlanta, who does not have a good defensive front. And, and so if, if you see the same sorts of things next week, then that's a problem. On the flip side of that, preseason is you're not going to go up against defensive fronts that are gaming a lot. You're not going to have a lot of stunting. It's a lot of man on man and you really should be able to win those battles. That, that really does tend to favor the offense. And, you know, so on, on one hand, I, I don't, I'm not pushing the panic button. And, and I did think there were some times when they did give two a time. And, and he mentioned that after the game and you are playing against a really good bears front. And yet at the same time, game one in preseason games, it, it does kind of lend itself to that. To that, So, you know, if, if we're seeing a little bit of improvement next week and, and in, in week three of the preseason when you would expect it to be more like the dress rehearsal type game, yeah. then yeah, then I'll feel better about it. I, I don't want to see the same sort of performance the next couple of weeks and in particular against a, an Atlanta front that is flat out bad. 
Yeah, and, and I think that's why I've been asked a lot in the last day or so from Dolphin fans in general on social media and just friends of mine who texted, hey, what did you think of the game? And, and I, I keep going back to the offensive line. It's an area of concern because, look, Clay, you and I talked about this last year, not even about the Dolphins. Offensive line play in the NFL is really bad. It, yep. It's just generally, it's just bad. Like, you know, being a Giants fan, I mean, the Giants – didn't play Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, a lot of key guys in their preseason opener. But their offensive line was the main offensive line, and they looked terrible. And they they couldn't open holes. They couldn't block. And this is a line that, you know, invested in a second-round pick a few years ago, Will Hernandez at guard. They invested in a first-round pick last year in Andrew Thomas. They've invested in this line, as have the Dolphins. I mentioned Austin Jackson, a first-round pick. You know, these are guys that have taken the first, second round. And – in general, you don't see a lot of good play, and that's concerning. That's concerning for young quarterbacks because the evolution of a young quarterback and the development, a lot of it stems from that, from time. Now, if you don't have time, you want to have playmakers at least. And I think that's – I think this is where the fear with the Dolphins and fans are is, okay, if your offensive line is going to be, let's say, eh or middle of the pack, right? I don't want to call them bad, but just okay. Then you hope that you can have playmakers in the ground game that can make – plays out of almost nothing they just need small creases and holes and i'm not sure in the backs the dolphins have right now we are going to see that and that's the part that concerns me if you had a stud back with this line you say oh hey whatever they create he'll find a way i don't think you have that right now and i don't think you can have two average you know average offensive line average running backs and expect the ground game to be successful yeah and the only way that it's going to be is if this this Dolphins passing attack becomes the yeah. greatest show on turf part two? You know, I, I you know if they're if they, if they go out there and and uh, the uh, Waddle and and Fuller are are streaking down the field and and both of them are looking like Tyreek Hill and and Parker is wide and and gets it like okay fine then then teams are gonna have to respect the passing game so much that'll open up things for the offense and in the running game and yet I. I just think that's asking way too much of Tua. I think it's asking way too much of of a, of a receiver core that I think is is above average, average to above average, but certainly not elite. So you know, if you're if you're asking a, a passing game that has a second year quarterback mm-hmm. and a average to above average receiving core to carry the offense in a in a well below average if not borderline bad running attack mm-hmm. that's a recipe for disaster and and so I, I think offensively you need to see more and and look I, I actually have I think I'm higher on Miles Gaskin than than a lot of people are I, I'm with I feel you by like, the way I'm with you I'm on Miles yeah. Gaskin's side I, I I actually I think he can make plays is he elite right, no but right. I mean I think he can make plays but I do think there's a limitation there as far as you know you got to give him space and let and allow him to create. We saw him last year in the open field. When he'd get loose, he'd make some big plays. Put it this way. You put him behind the New Orleans Saints offensive line, I think he can do really, really well. You put – and I feel like Malcolm Brown, similarly. You know, I, and I think Brown is the guy who – What do you think if, of Malcolm Brown? He, I, people make of the, you know, nine carries, eight yards. The production wasn't nah, I, but, I didn't. That didn't I, – I think he's the type of guy that he's going to need a little bit of space, and if he gets a little bit of space and he gets to lean forward on you, then he's going to fall forward. And he's going to pick up. But if you hit him in the backfield and he doesn't get a chance to get any sort of momentum going, then, yeah, you're going to have nine carries for eight yards. And so, But that gets back to your original point, Will, which is the offensive line has to be much, much better in the running game in order to give, you know, an, an average to below average running back group some some room to, to work. And, and right now they, they don't have it. I, again, you can't have everything – 
in the running game be average well, to below average, expect no. to do well. And and I think, unfortunately, yeah, that's, that's what the Dolphins concern. are working with. Yeah, that's my concern. And look, they're shuffling. Look, they're shuffling. You know, Eichenberg uh, didn't play, and there's, you know, the yeah. already not playing well in Kindley, and, you know, what, what you have there, now getting kind of a second crack there at guard. Uh, and I mentioned Jackson already. All of these are young players that you expect growing pains. But here's the thing about the Dolphins that's different, right, for the last few years, is I think we – we both agree, and I think nationally it's starting to get that way, and I certainly think locally that the Dolphins can be a pretty good team. Like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you in the middle of August with two weeks, two preseason games left and a few weeks left of the regular season, hey, this is a Super Bowl team. But I don't think it's crazy to say that this is a playoff team, no, a playoff contender, yep. a team that should be battling for the wild card. Like, look, Buffalo's really good in the division, and barring injuries, they're the favorite. I get it. But – when you look at the AFC, there's no reason the Dolphins couldn't be in the pack until the end. So that said, you hate to waste key positions in years in development. Like, it's great. If these guys develop, it's great. But they don't have much room to wait this year. Hey, let's hope the offensive line comes together. No, because they've got playmakers. And we haven't even talked about the defense, which we will in a second. They've got a playoff defense. I mean, my goodness, they have got a playoff defense. So – that's the only thing that really concerns me, Clay. And you did say, though, and I agree with you, that if they can be, and I know you said the greatest show on turf, and we know we're slightly exaggerating, but if they can be an offense that's potent with a pass, quick throws, big plays, excitement, you know, uh, the ability to get chunk yards, as we saw in the Gasicki play, and we'll see eventually with Waddle, maybe even Jakeen Grant, Albert Wilson, Deflecty Parker, you know, Will Fuller. Maybe that does take some pressure and can create help with the ground game, but it's a tough, it's a tough thing though. It's a tough thing to say, Hey, we're okay on the ground game. Our passing in is going to open up the run. It would in a perfect world that works, but that's a lot to count on again with a second year quarterback, new weapons, still finding his footing. This isn't Aaron Rodgers on offense here where he's going to fling it around for 5,000 yards, you know? And, and I think that's the, that's the concern, I guess, you know, I can't be all positive. While I liked what I saw, that's my minor concern right now as we head toward the season. Yeah, and so let's, let's put this in context because we're, we're speaking about the offense in a vacuum. And we started off talking about the passing offense in a vacuum, the rushing offense in a vacuum, and then how it, how it all comes together. Uh, to me, if, if this offense can be average – I think this team can be really, really good and really dangerous. I'm that high on the defense. I, I think the defense is outstanding. They flat out embarrassed the Bears on Saturday. Embarrassed. And, and you, look, if I'm a Bears fan right now, I, I feel great that I got Justin Fields. I think, man, like for, for a first NFL game, yeah, you, you saw some great things and you feel great about his future. You yeah. also looked out there and you saw five three and outs to open a game. Yes. Five three and outs. I, and that was with the Dolphins defense that was playing without their two best cornerbacks and, and arguably the best cornerback tandem in the NFL. Like, that to me, Nick Needham was outstanding in that game. Noah Igbenogany, he showed some flesh. Like, I, I just feel so good about this defense, Will, that to me, you know, your point about – can they? It's not crazy to think they can be a playoff team because they were right there last year. Had they won their last game, they would have been in the playoffs. And so I, I feel like this team is is not only a, a playoff team potentially. I think it's a team that if they get there, they've got the type of game that if they can find any semblance of a running game, their game can travel because I think their defense is going to be that good. So mm -hmm. you know, I, I this again, this is not like making any sort of grand statement about. Uh, a first preseason game because I, I felt the defense was that good going in. But that 
that was an embarrassment if I'm if I'm the the Bears offense, the Bears Ooh, starting offense, and, yeah. and what happened in that game. And I think a lot of well, it wasn't for that goes to the it, Dolphins defense. It wasn't the Bears starting offense because Andy Dalton's not starting. It's gonna be just yeah. That's okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah. That's a no, great but I mean, point. That's no, but I, and look, we, that's that's for Chicago to to figure out in their podcast. Right. The Chicago right, sports right, right, pod right. can deal with that. The Miami yeah. sports pod is dealing with that defense, and you just said it. And and I think you know that's the part that leaves you impressed. You know, when, when people would talk in the offseason about, oh, forget about Xavier. If he wants more money, let him walk. We can figure it out. Uh, yeah, no, that's not the way it works. You can see why Brian Flores, Chris Greer, front office, uh, ownership, you name it, the Miami Dolphins organization said, you know what, Xavier, we're going to figure things out because you can see the Dolphins have depth on defense. Nick Needham, you know, I, I played well. You know, you look at the front that they have and the way they could create, even though a lot of key guys didn't play. But when you have two lockdown corners, by the way, who didn't play on Saturday, but when you have lockdown corners and you see how good the depth is on this defense in games like this without key guys playing, you start shuffling it back and saying, those guys you saw are, are, are threes and fours and fives. And you bring in that front core and that, that core of that defense. And, again, I bring up those two corners because that's where – in the NFL, that's where you live and die, right? If you can't stop the pass, you're dead. If you can't – with the quarterbacks that there are in the league now and the wide openness of the offenses and the ability of playmakers, if you cannot play corner and have consistent corner play, you're going to lose a lot of football games. And the fact that the Dolphins have two elite corners, I think if anything, when people would say, I can't believe the Dolphins caved into Xavier Howard. I can't believe that they set this precedent. No, 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 no. It's not a precedent. You don't do this for, you don't do this for offensive lineman number three. You don't do this for, you know what I mean, linebacker number two. You do this for stud corner number one, and the Dolphins have two of them. Well, and, and to that point, like, okay, let's, let's kind of flip what we were, we were talking about with the Bears and, and the Dolphins' offensive line where, you know, the Bears, they weren't going to game a whole lot on, on the defensive side. They were really good front, but they weren't going to run a whole lot of stunts, do a whole lot of crazy stuff. Okay, so let's flip that now. You had a Dolphins defense out there, to your point about depth, it was going out there without their top, their top two corners. And you weren't seeing the crazy amoeba fronts that have defined the Brian Flores defense. Like, he played it very, very vanilla, and it did not matter. Um, now, they did play uh, uh, guys really close to the line, and, and this is the type of thing that you see from the Dolphins' defensive backs. Like, this is what they teach. Pass breakups are a huge win for Dolphins' defensive backs. Like, you're going to have them playing close, and, and they're going to force you in one-on-one to try to cram the ball in there, and and they're going to force – Brian Flores is going to ask his defensive back to knock the ball away. And you saw Igbenogany, um, excuse me, Eric Rowe, and Nick Needham with some really, really nice plays. Yeah. So just imagine now those guys getting that experience. You know, think back to last year when, uh, you know, Byron Jones was, was hurt for a period of time. And, you know, as great as Xavier and Howard is, the big question with him is always potential injuries. So let's say those guys miss any any amount of time for this year. What you're seeing with this defense, like in a 17-game season where you know there's going to be attrition, they're getting extremely valuable experience playing press stuff. And, you know, without the benefit of doing this amoeba stuff, you, you're able to stop them there. And then you get into those those third and long situations. I, I just feel like, well, like you're just in a, in a situation with this defense where, you know, Brian Flores is going to be like a kid in the candy store with what he's going to be able to do with with this group. And I, so anyway, I, I came out of this game feeling like 
I, I couldn't have felt better. <laughs> You're right. You can't remove the one throw. But I, I couldn't have felt better about where this Dolphins team is heading relative to where I thought they could be at this point. I thought the offensive line was going to be a question mark. I had questions about the running game. But what I saw from two and what I saw from that defense made me feel as, as bullish on this team as I could have been after one yeah, game. Yeah, and I think that's where the main thing, you know, again, I opened the pod by saying that we're not going to sit here and, and, and make proclamations for the season and predictions based off a preseason game because I think it's silly. And, and all over the league, you see teams that struggled and rookies that struggled and certain players that struggled, others that excelled, and you can't make too much of it. But I think we've gotten enough of an idea of what this Dolphins team wants to be based on what Brian Flores had to do in last Last year, the development of certain players to feel like, hey, this team is ready for the next step. There are still the question marks to the offensive line that are going to have to come together in these next few weeks and then you figure it out for the regular season. There are going to be the questions on who is your lead back. And I think you and I both kind of agree that Miles Gaskin is the guy that probably wound up getting the – by the way, uh, Ahmed looked fine. Ahmed yeah, he did. You know, he he did. The, play, the play on the, you know, the wheel route, and uh, great play design. has just toasted the linebacker. Those, those plays let you believe that he may have a role with this team again as he did last year. So I don't think you're going to have the 2025 carry guy. But I still think when it's all said and done, Gaskin is probably the guy they're going to lean on the most. I like what he does in the ground game and the passing game, and we saw that last year. Malcolm Brown, as we see, is probably going to be the short uh, short yardage guy, you know, and, and the, you need, you know, that yard, that 31, the fourth and one, hopefully he can get it. And then we'll see Ahmed and kind of working his role in there. I, again, I think it can work. I'm not that beat up on it, but the offensive line does have to show improvement. That's probably the takeaway. So defense looks great. Tua looks very comfortable, and he's going to learn from his mistakes, hopefully, and not make those mistakes when they matter. And then we have to kind of see where it goes with the offensive line in the next few weeks. But I, and by the way, we didn't even mention something, and I know that it's something that's not sexy on a podcast, but my goodness, the Dolphins are going to have a good punt return team. Yeah. And you yeah, look at yeah. Waddle, and you saw Jakeen Grant, who we've seen the plays he makes in, the, in a punt return game. They have playmakers there. And I know that that sounds kind of boring, but you know what? That changes games in big divisional close games. I mean, plays of field position and quick sudden changes and sudden scores change games. And the Dolphins have those type of game changers in the punt return game. Yeah, and, you know, sticking on that, on that line of what's not sexy, man, take it, as, as, take it from a fan of a team right now that's dealing with a, a very good kicker that's going to miss a good portion of the season because of an injury. Mm. The luxury that the Dolphins have with Sanders right now, I mean, the fact that you're able to just roll them out there. I, I hated that they kicked the short field goal. But yeah, I, was, I, I was with you on that one. <laughs> but the fact that it's just automatic and, and it doesn't matter. You know, that was a short one, but it doesn't – I mean, you – you get you get to the 30, 38 yard line and like you feel good that you're getting yeah. points out of this thing as long as Tua doesn't throw it into double covered plate. Yeah, and, and look, and I don't want people listening to think that we were giving Tua a pass on that. You know, I mean, no, he no, manned no. up to it. He admitted as much. And Brian Flores sounds like us. Brian Flores just said, "Hey, man, he made a mistake. Uh, he knows what he did. I talked to him about it. Uh, we know where we're going. It won't happen again. He understands what what he was looking. I mean." I think there's a comfort there where unlike last year, okay, Tua, there was no preseason last year, right? But if Tua does that in the preseason last year, you're kind of go, oh, man, oh, man, he doesn't understand the NFL. He doesn't understand the speed. He doesn't understand the windows and the decision-making. This is going to be a real learning curve. Well, he had that learning curve. That was what the regular season was last year. And that doesn't mean he's going to be perfect and he won't make those mistakes. But I think when you make those mistakes, whether they're in practice or in the preseason, 
I think it eventually limits the mistakes you make in the regular season because you learn from it. And he had his test last year in the regular season, the nine games he played. He had his offseason, regular offseason, and now he's having his regular preseason for the first time. These are things I truly believe Tua will learn from. You hear him speak. He says it. He gets what's going on, and I think that's very important. I agree completely. So uh, what I want to see next week, I want to see the offensive line play better. Uh, and, and I just, I want to see, I want to see growth. I want to see, uh, I want to see Tua build on, on what we saw against the Bears. And, and I want to see them finish drives. And, you know, those are, those are the big takeaways for me. Uh, you know, and, and again, we can't say this enough. You're not, to, it's not that we're taking a whole lot out of the first preseason game. It's that you were looking for validation of things that you were hoping to see anyway. And, and I, I thought we like saw, we and I thought, you know, yeah. I thought it was good as we end this pod, it was good and bad. We got validation of some of the things we liked and we got validations of some of the things we're concerned about. <laughs> Very true. You know, Very true. It, it was a little yep. bit of both. Yep. Now we'll see what the validation we get with the Falcons, the joint practices, the game on Saturday here in South Florida over Miami Gardens. So the Dolphins and Falcons preseason game number two. Brian Flores has said, not sure how much the starters will play, but I've got to assume that you'll see Tua for about a quarter as you did. Maybe he wants to take a little deeper and say this is preseason game number, you know, the three like in the old days. And then the last preseason game, they don't pay that much. We'll see. But the Dolphins, Falcons coming up. That's what we learned from preseason game number one. Hey, we're back. Miami Sports Pod. We appreciate you listening and subscribing. We will certainly be here every single week throughout the football season, uh, leading into basketball season eventually and anything going on in South Florida sports. We appreciate you listening.